Welcome to the Ignite Physio Podcast. This podcast inspires physiotherapists and other health professionals to continue learning and growing in their practice and throughout their career. We explore professional issues with a fresh lens and look inward, delving into topics that help to expand our capacity for growth. This is episode number 46, and I am Andrew. And I'm Maxie. So yeah, so we're here today. It's been a little while since we've done a recording. And the last time we talked about why we need to lean into discomfort and why growth requires that. And so, yeah, so today I think we're, we're going to be chatting a little bit about burnout because I feel like this has been a theme that uh, has come up in the Pain Science Summit that you were presenting at recently, yes. right? Yes, San Diego Pain Summit. Sandy Hilton and Mark Milligan presented on it. And I believe Shrana Prasad had it within her, her presentation and Shelley Prosco with her compassion, presentation on mm-hmm. compassion. I believe it came up there too. So it feels like it is something that's in the ether for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I, I had done a survey recently with PTs who are part of the Ignite community. And what was interesting, I think we had over 150 survey respondents. It was about 18% that said they were experiencing symptoms of burnout. When I looked at the data, there was about 13% that reported that they were looking at making a career change or looking at opportunities for non-clinical work. So I think it's definitely for a certain number of people in the profession, there's definitely a challenge around staying energized, satisfied, and motivated to continue with the day in, day out of clinical work. You know, I think we've chatted a little bit about this offline about some of the conversations that I've had with newer grads who have actually felt quite discouraged in clinical practice and, you know, even had been considering looking at leaving the profession altogether. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, you know, those are, you know, challenging to hear that, just sort of the rawness of that and, and the, the frustration that they were feeling. Do you know if those more junior physios, were they in private practice? Were they yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah. their private practice yeah. versus hospital yeah. settings or yeah. institutional settings in that way? Yeah, and it sounds like, you know, there was definitely some things that were you know, factors that differ between those folks. I mean, I think sometimes it can be a little bit of the patient population. And if you're having a really challenging patient population, you know, challenging WCB or MVA patients or chronic pain patients, I think that can be quite draining, right? Yeah, just with the nature, the complexity of different systems that are involved working with those patients. And so it's not just somebody coming in with an ankle sprain and they, they want to get back to playing soccer, right? You're dealing with different, you're different dealing with different layers of, of this, of systems, right? Well, and I think, yeah, especially when you're a newer grad, I mean, you know, trying to navigate that Mm -hmm. and the nuance of relationship and expectations and emotions that are coming at you, you know, with, you know, with these patients. And then also just trying to figure out how am I actually going to treat them well and, you know, (laughs) dealing with, you know, atypical, you know, recovery times and that, right? So I think that that definitely was one of the factors Mm -hmm. that seemed to come through, which I think is, I think that's hard regardless, but I think it's really hard when you don't have some experience to back you up on that, right? And then I think the other, you know, sort of theme was around just the the grind of patient care in a in a private clinic setting you know and just feeling not feeling like you're actually getting enough you know seeing enough patients and just sort of think the financial stress of that and i think sometimes it's hard to know okay you know is you know what are the expectations or what are reasonable expectations mm-hmm. especially when you're you know you're you're jumping into a you know a clinical setting that you know you're just sort of getting your feet wet and then having to make a living and and do all that and then and deliver good quality 
care. Yeah. And I think the expectations yeah. are just continuing to go up, especially in, I think in a private setting as well. Right. I think so it's, it's hard yes. because it's, you're dealing with sort of expectations on multiple levels. There's expectations that come in at you from your manager, or, you know, your boss, you've got expectations from patients that are mm-hmm. going to be higher. You've got your own expectations that you want to deliver good quality yeah. care. Right. And so it's, it's just what, it's just been interesting having some of these conversations, looking at, you know, how people responded in the survey that I, you know, that I sent out recently and, and just seeing how, okay, well, how do we improve that situation? How, how can we help clinicians who are maybe feeling, you know, burnt out, emotionally exhausted, you know, and, and just sort of exploring that topic a little bit, because I think it is something that is real. I think that a lot of times people want to hide that. Yeah. Well, is there shame around that? You can't handle it. You know, you're not able to handle it. We should be able to handle it. This is, you know, I'm a professional. I'm a professional. I should be able to handle these things. Right. And, you know, so, so when you're talking about it, there's so much, like, like, as you're talking here, I'm jotting just ideas that are coming to my head because I'm not like studying this as deeply as you are. So it's kind of, for me, it's, yeah, there's a lot of things that are converging, like with newer grads, more junior therapists, you know, with educational system, you know, we have, I'll just speak for Canada with, you know, mm-hmm. the number of, you know, come in, it's an MSC, mm-hmm. PT, and it's two, two and a half years. Yeah. Are students prepared enough? Have they yeah. been able to digest enough as a professional to step into that mm-hmm. role? Because there's an incredible amount of responsibility, not just, not, not solely to the patient, no, I shouldn't say just to patients, not solely to, to the individuals that you're seeing mm-hmm. and, and working with, but also to insurance companies, to, yeah. you know, I remember, you know, being a new grad and writing medical legal reports. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I get like medical, what? Yeah. You know? Exactly. So, and then, and I was an expert witness. Oh, like, wow. yeah, like with very, with before I'd reached, you know, four years into my career, I was an mm-hmm. expert. Like, you know, so those are sorts of, of situations that you're not, you know, of course, when you, when you move into a new, when you move into a profession or a new sort of area, there are going to be new challenges mm-hmm. and new experiences. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we can say, well, you know, you can be prepared for everything and you shouldn't be pushed. No. Because it is a growth curve, yeah. and there is a growth curve once you, when you actually get into practice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Then I think we talked about, you know, in the last podcast, how you know employers can make that growth curve less steep, mm. just in terms of you know how much time they're giving their new grads with yeah. assessments and yeah. and with treatments. And I know that I even you know back in the day, you know, and like my employer when it worked in private practice did that I said yeah. okay so, you know so for a certain period of time yeah. we're going to give you more time with your assessments more time with your patients but then we do expect you to you reduce that time yeah. right as you come become more comfortable yeah more proficient yeah and it's and it's funny because i think that as you you know the longer you're in practice you sometimes forget those periods of burnout that you do experience right and i think you sort of think you know because even myself i was like man i've had that for sure where i've just felt emotionally exhausted and it's and it's interesting to just to think about how we don't necessarily want to think about those times mm-hmm. in our lives, right? It's almost like we want to forget those. <laughs> we find our sort of our happy place, right? In terms of what works for us, you know, in terms of clinical work. Because I think it is just a tricky situation, right? You're, you, especially when you're feeling emotionally exhausted and you're, you know, you almost develop a resentment towards your patients, right? Because you're, you're, you're feeling that disconnect. And that was some of what came through in these conversations as well, where you almost feel this, you know, what you're having to give off 
externally in terms of your interaction with your patient is very different than the interaction that you're feeling internally, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that's a really interesting thing to, to think about, maybe even just to explore that a little bit, is about this sort of this dichotomy that exists that we can, in essence, sort of be, we almost lack an integrity of what's going on in terms of our experience, mm -hmm. right? And because we're, what we have to convey professionally is very mm -hmm. different than our Right. So is that authentic? Yes, yes. So, so, what, so I guess, I guess, yeah. So then when I, when I, because what I start to think about is that sense of, of co-regulation. So, mm -hmm. you know, when we're talking about therapeutic relationship and being present, yeah. right. And being receptive. I mean that as therapists, we need to be that, right. Yeah. But the act of being present, if it's genuine, should be regulating for us. As yeah, well, exactly. you know what I mean. Yeah. Like if if it's if it's not just I need to convey a professional face, yes, yeah. right. But if it's actually a genuine sense of being present in the moment and regulated, so calm, you know, and how you go about doing that. So mm -hmm. in the micro situations, we might get to this talking about systems and how the disconnect between between what therapists perceive as the values of the system versus the values of, of, of clinicians and patients, yeah. you know, yeah. that's a, when there's incongruence there, that is a real challenge, Absolutely. right? But when we're talking just about the micro moments, you know, with patients, you know, how you prepare to go into mm -hmm. your day mm -hmm. as a physical therapist, mm -hmm. as a professional, mm -hmm. knowing the kind of work mm -hmm. that you will be doing, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's almost like, I don't know, I'm gonna turn it on its head a little bit, and it's like, maybe we shouldn't necessarily expect the system to change or patients to change mm -hmm. to take care of us, mm -hmm. right? Maybe a part of it is us acknowledging that this is the type of work that we do, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we need to go into our days and how do we need to prepare? It's like an athlete. Yeah. If, I don't, if I don't prepare to go into competition, yeah. I'm going to suck, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to well, make light yeah. of, of, you know, systems and I don't, wanna, I don't want to seem like I'm piling on to physical therapists and say, well, this is one more responsibility. Mm -hmm. But really, as professionals, who are you as a professional? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Yeah. How do you embody that? Yeah. And how, like psychotherapists, yeah. right? You know, I would say probably the good ones know how to, because they, 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 they've been trained in that way to be able to take care of themselves. Yes. Right. Yeah. Now they don't, they don't work on the same sort of schedule as we're working yeah, in, yeah, right? It's, yeah. it's a different setup, yeah. right? In terms of the amount of time maybe they spend yeah. with, with the people that they, they work with. But, but at the same time, it's, we're not socialized that way yeah. in physio. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it's interesting because I mean, I think, you know, those times when you, you know, you're, you're busy, you know, let's say that you're, you know, whatever you say, you're, are working an afternoon shift, you're busy doing stuff in the morning. Yeah. You know, you go in, you, you're going to see your patients and the second patient in starts tearing up on you and, and, and having really sort of a strong emotional reaction to the pain that they're in. And all of a sudden you can be caught off guard as a therapist if you haven't necessarily sort of grounded yourself well yeah. prior to being in that situation because yes. all of a sudden you're like... You got to switch gears a hundred, you know, hundred hundred percent here, right? To to get into that place, and that can be a really hard transition in the moment, you know, yes. if you have not taken that time time out, right? And I think that you know some of that is 
that preparation and, and self-care has to be done outside of those days, right? But I think that, I think what you're saying is what I'm hearing yeah. is that there also is some of that preparation that we need to be doing before we enter in those situations, yes. whether it's before a shift or whether it's before a yes. patient interaction is what can we do to help regulate ourselves yes. so that we can actually be present yeah. so that a, the patient can be present and we can mm-hmm. create that space, yeah. right? Yes. So that you, so that you're actually your neurobiology, your state is influencing unconsciously yeah. influencing the patient's state. Yeah. Right. And I think what you're saying too, is that when we do feel this duplicity or this sort of incongruency in terms of what we're feeling internally mm-hmm. with what we feel we need to project to the mm-hmm. patient, mm-hmm. some of that self-regulation can actually help us to come back into yes. line, yeah. right? Is that? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what I'm saying. So if yeah. you have ways, rituals, things that you do, whether mm-hmm. it's breath work. So, so really it's, it's, if we go to a very basic level, it's very basic physiological functions, mm-hmm. right? Breath attention to body, Mm -hmm. right? It could be a psychological keyword. It Mm -hmm. could be something that you do. It could even be as you enter into interactions with patients, what helps you if you enter in in the same way, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there are ways that, that we can, we can do that. Yeah. What I also wanted to say was, I think we need to be compassionate with ourselves Mm. as well. Yeah. So, you know, you're not going to be on as a clinician every single day. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be on with every single patient, right? And so this, I think we need to cultivate compassion for our patients, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And also compassion for ourselves that, you know, it's a returning. Mm-hmm. We're continually returning to try to be that person or that and that therapist, that embodied therapist, mm-hmm. when we enter into interactions mm-hmm. with patients on a daily basis and with you know, colleagues and mm-hmm. with, you know, with our, with our spouses, yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah, a constant, yeah. Re- yeah. it's a constant returning, you yeah. know, and I don't know that we should expect perfection out of ourselves in that it, because it is a journey. It's not a destination. It's, it's a deepening. Yeah. Well, and I, and I wonder too, like, you know, for the therapists that maybe are feeling, you know, stuck in this place where they, they have a hard time actually being present with their patients or maybe feeling like almost a, a resentment or an animosity mm. to the patient. Those are really hard situations to mm-hmm. be in. I mean, I think A, it's a good red flag to say, hang on a second, like, this is a warning light on yeah. the car. Yes. <laughs> this needs an oil check. Yeah. <laughs> right? Is, yeah, sure. You know. Pull over. Pull over, right? Yeah. And and I think that we shouldn't be ignoring when those situations happen, right? Yeah. Because I think that that to me is is, you know, is a pretty significant indicator to say, hang on a second, I'm not in a good place yes. here myself. So it's gonna be very difficult for me to be in a good place for my patients. Yes. And so what do I need to do here to re-energize, to recharge, to whatever it is to create a better, healthier interaction, right? But I think part of, so I think there's that step like pulling over Mm -hmm. to the side of the road, but I think if I'm extrapolating from what you're saying perhaps is can I, when I recognize that in myself, can I return to a place of Mm self-regulation and just say, you know what? Can I let go of what my thoughts are about this patient? Can I let go of maybe the frustration that I feel with the fact that they're not Mm -hmm. improving? Can I let go of the expectations I have of myself in this moment Mm -hmm. so that I can then just be present Mm -hmm. and maybe try to let go even temporarily of maybe some of the extra baggage that I'm carrying or the gremlins that are on my shoulder, right? I mean, sort of the Brené Brown talks about, you know, what are those gremlins? You know, I think, can we do that? 
and maybe just allow there to be some space that we can create in our own heads. Hey, I just wanted to have a quick pause to introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, Soul. They're off-the-shelf moldable insoles, and it's the brand of insoles that I recommend to my patients and have for years. The reason I recommend them is that they're heat moldable by the patient, they've got a great arch support, and they come with options to help with different foot issues. It's really easy for customers to order, and when you refer them to Soul, they get free shipping and 10% off. Make sure to check them out at yoursoul.com forward slash health dash professionals. That's Y-O-U-R-S-O-L-E dot com forward slash health dash professionals. All right, back to the show. Yeah, and even as you say that, I I exhaled, right? Mm. Like I I literally went, oh, there's some space here. Mm-hmm. How would I be different with mm-hmm. the person across from me? Yeah. If there was that space. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If if I didn't have if I wasn't carrying with me all of these expectations mm-hmm. and, and all the patient's expectations, all of my expectations, all my employer's expectations. And I could just for a moment, mm-hmm. just let go of those expectations and just be with this patient and let it unfold. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And let, and, and trust that we are both here for purpose yeah. and that we will get to that purpose without anything having to be forced or having to yeah. be a striving. Um, yeah. Strive yeah. that striving. Right. Yeah. And I mean, physios, you know, pretty high achievers, I would say yeah. like, you know, but you know, in school, like, you know, you, we've, we've been striving. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I think you know? there's always an expectation yeah. that we are striving to get the patient yes. better. Right. Yes. And I think there is always that, there's always that tension that exists, but I think, even just like in that, those moments to be able to let go of some of that expectation, perhaps that could help to set, settle down some of that, perhaps that frustration, animosity that's yeah. just building up, that can build up with patients, right? Because I think that's a really hard place to treat from, right? When you Ooh. are in that place, because you you know the patient is going to pick up on that in some oh, level, yeah, no. right? Well, no, no, well, no, exactly. And they, they will. That is, that is the sense of safety. Like yeah. that is the sense of, of that's a, that neuroception yeah. that we have that's happening outside of our conscious awareness. Yeah. And we're picking that up. And as soon as we're, when we're in that place, we have, we start, we start as therapists start to close down, mm. right? In terms of our, the scope that we can see, the positivity that we can see a situation with. Yeah. We have, we, we begin to develop a ne- negativity bias yeah. or, or enhance a negativity bias. And then we start to narrow, right? And so patients will pick up on that, whether they know they're picking up on it or not, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, and you, <laughs> it's going to be the patients that for whatever reasons are bringing up this more in you. Yeah. And I think it, you know, and it's been interesting, you know, cause I've been doing some more reading and talks around burnout and, and it's, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, one of the most popular, you know, and well-used tools for evaluating or assessing burnout is the Maslach burnout inventory. Mm-hmm. That inventory has three basically subscales. So one is emotional exhaustion. Second is depersonalization, and the third is personal achievement, or this mm-hmm. this lack of efficacy, oh, right? Uh-huh. And I think that emotional exhaustion seems to be one of the early warning signs of, or one of the, the key yeah. areas for burnout. And I think that it's something that we often can minimize and mm-hmm. trivialize when we're feeling emotionally burnt out or emotionally exhausted, right? Yeah. Right. That you're just sort of feeling worn out. Yeah. And I think that we then try to push through that 
And I think then we start to then have these issues of conflict mm -hmm. internally with our patients because we're now feeling a resentment because we don't feel like we having anything to give. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's interesting because I've been looking at that, you know, just in my own life, how easy it is to to miss these markers yeah. right well and, and to and to go into patterns of behavior so some people will push through yeah right like i'd yeah. be one of those people that are, i'm a blunt instrument yes right i can hold on any kind of physical you know sensation or whatever but other people may withdraw yeah right and become more withdrawn yes right and yeah. so that's neither is regulating no, no, it's no, it's not. Right. And I mean, it's interesting because I just think of, you know, I was at a course that Neil Pearson had put on on pain and just talking about, you know, pain is really our, our protection system. Right. Mm. And it's and this is lack of safety. Right. Mm. And so to me, the question I have then is, OK, well, if we're feeling emotionally exhausted and we are struggling with staying, you know, grounded, mm -hmm. it becomes really difficult for us to feel safe. Because yes. we are actually yes. just feeling like we're on the verge of what's yes. going to happen, right? But yes. then what happens is that, as you said, we, we then cannot convey and help to facilitate a place of safety with our patients yeah. because we aren't even in that place, no. right? So who's leading us into that place of safety, yeah. right? If we're not helping to facilitate that, mm -hmm. the patient is looking to us to take the lead on that given the, yeah. the, the relationship, right? Absolutely. And so that's a bit of an, an odd sort of... Thing, but relationship is about reciprocity. So if we can be regulated, mm -hmm. right, in a relationship or, or begin that regulation, like even just a bit, you don't have to go in the most grounded, you don't have to go in yogi-like, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, mm -hmm. grounded, uh, you know, but, but even if you can be more, then, then the patient picks up on that and you start to get into that safe pace with the patient. It's, it's a co-created space. It's a third space. It's a third space. Yeah. It's a co-created yeah. space. And so that safety actually, you feed off the patient's safety, the patient feeds off of your safety. It's not linear mm -hmm. so much, right? And so, and, and also within, within, and I don't want to go down the therapeutic relationship road, but even within interactions, things can, the boat can, you know, that can be like a wave, right? You know, and, and you have to kind of reset yourself. Yeah. But if you were going back to talking about that sense of burnout, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, I think that's one thing that can be really important. And also just on Twitter, the last couple of two, three days, some of the interactions that I've had with one of the patients, Twitter handle is at living with pain, I think. Oh, Tina yeah. and Bob, who's a physio, Bob Vermeeren. And just talking about, I think sometimes what we maybe, I'm going to put this out there. Do we look at the patient situation when they come in and we're all on, on journeys, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, and patients come into us at certain periods of their life, certain times of their life, and certain times of our life as well. Absolutely. So, we're, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're colliding, right? Yeah. And... I think sometimes maybe we take it too personally when maybe patients don't progress mm. um, as we think they should be progressing or as they think they should be progressing. Mm -hmm. And even though we feel an incredible responsibility yeah. to be able to help people, you can only help as much as where you're at and where they're at. Mm -hmm. And that you want to let this patient is this person, you can only do the best that you can do for them. Mm -hmm. And if, mm -hmm. and, and, and if you're operating through integrity, your integrity, mm -hmm. you know, and you recognize I'm doing, I am doing the best that I can mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe this patient needs another therapist. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've exhausted what I feel like I can exhaust and I'm exhausted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I don't know that I yeah. can do anymore, yeah. but this we're both on journeys and we take it really personally, I think. And we take it to heart. Which can also then contribute to burnout, right? Because yeah. we just feel this weight on our shoulders, right? Yeah. So it's this balance between not abdicating responsibility, no, right? No. And everybody's on a journey, and so yeah. I don't have to care. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, not <laughs> we're, we're not saying that. Don't somebody tweet me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, but also that, that there's this accept. We, I guess what it comes down to is attachment. Mm. Attachment to another person's journey. Right, mm-hmm. and how how closely we attach to them for our experience of success or failure, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and that's maybe that's more it. It's about the attachment yes. to it. We need attachments. Yes, we also need to know when they're not functional. Exactly, when they're not serving us. So then, how do you? So let's say that you feel really attached to an outcome you know, this patient's progress, how do we help to detach from that outcome? Right? Like, cause that's a, that's a tough oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> because, it's not like because, you can just say because, on off. No. <laughs> I'm no longer attached. No longer attached or, or there are other things that create that attachment too. job security. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not. And a certain it. level of investment and Attachment can sometimes be a good thing with a patient, right? Because they feel like you're in their corner. Well, and and certainly, and I'm not suggesting that attaching like that isn't healthy, right? Because it is, it's, it's, you're giving of yourself, right? If, if I take the therapists and patients that I've interviewed and listened to seriously, that's one of the things that there was a theme was that, you know, you're committed, Yes. right? You're committed Mm -hmm. to understanding me. You're Mm -hmm. committed to acting on my behalf, yes. right? And with Being me, champion right? Yeah. yeah. And creating that safe space. You're committed to that. I mean, I think that's important. So we almost have to separate out that commitment to the person and the attachment to an outcome. Is that what yeah. I'm hearing? Yeah, maybe. Maybe that is. Maybe that that's good. Yeah, that's, could we, yeah. could we create a little bit of a divide there yeah. to say, okay, you know what? I can be committed to the, to the health and wholeness and progress or even just to the person, yeah. right? Yeah. But maybe I can hold on a little less tightly, especially with my sense of self in terms of what the outcome we can achieve with the person I'm committed to. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's very good. Very good, Andrew. Very good, Andrew. Okay. Very good. You're pulling pulling the No, because I mean, it's it's a hard thing, right? Because I mean, we can, because it's true, like, you know, that sense of commitment to the patient, I think, is a very positive element to a a healthy yes. therapeutic relationship, yes. right? Yes. But then it's true. We can, we can get ourselves into a pickle when we attach ourselves too much to the outcome that we want, or when we yeah. don't see that outcome happening, we now start to internalize that. And perhaps yes. there's shame yes. that yes. results, yes. or there is, you know, this mm-hmm. sense of disappointment or this lack of compassion, which then contributes to this burnout and emotional exhaustion, because now we are just there's all these other conversations going on in our head, right? Yeah. That we can't, we have a hard time letting go of. Yeah. And, and you push harder, and harder you know, yeah. or you withdraw or, you know, you're not grounded yeah. anymore. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, so then what do you do in those situations? Do you seek out? So we're talking, so here we go. We're talking about 
Now this we're going off here because I don't, <laughs> well, think, we, I don't, even, think, I don't even think we planned on talking about this part. But we're talking about the therapist and we're talking about the patient as though they are on islands, unless they're like we're in an interaction together, right? Mm-hmm. So we're speaking about like therapists as though we're 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 on an island. Mm-hmm. We have no support. Mm-hmm. We have no social connection, mm-hmm. right? You know, and maybe that's the way we feel. Yeah. Maybe that's actually the way yeah. we feel. Like we are alone. Yes. All right. So when we when that sense of aloneness, yeah. all right, and maybe loneliness, yes. professional loneliness in some ways, yeah. that contributes to a sense of unsafety. Mm-hmm. Right? We're not safe. We become physiologically dysregulated. Yes. Right? That is true, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so even when we're talking about we don't want to start going into to literature on loneliness, I haven't read a lot of it, but what I have read is that it's associated with a lot of health conditions, yes. right? You know, oh, and, and uh, you know, mental health, yeah. physical health. Yeah. So if we, and can you imagine young therapists, mm-hmm. you know, feeling like they're on an island, mm-hmm. right? And yes, their boss might, and you know, but, but it's not, we need that social connection, mm-hmm. right? And I think part of the reason why I went to work, I left private practice and went to work on an interdisciplinary team is because that's what I felt I needed. Yeah. I needed that sense of connection. Yeah. Right. And also like I played sports all my life, team sport all my yeah. life. So I, yeah. team was very valuable to me. Yeah. It was one of, one of the values yeah. that I had. Right. And so, but maybe that's a piece of it. I mean, psychotherapists like debrief, right. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they come together. Like they, I think they, you know, most, most psychotherapists, I think, have you know another therapist or another two therapists where they where they talk about their baggage like and what's coming up for them and what's mm-hmm. what are barriers for their you know ability to be with patients but also for their own personal growth so this isn't this isn't just about also us learning and growing for for our patients benefit it's us learning and growing for our own benefit yeah, exactly. as human beings yeah. like we play these roles yeah right patient yeah. therapist and but really we're human beings yeah. and we're moving together, right? We're rolling along together. So, so maybe it's also about seeing the bigger picture. Yeah. Like popping well, out, right? Yeah, exactly. And can you, can we start to create some more intentionality in terms of the interactions we have maybe with colleagues? Maybe it's not necessarily a mentoring or mentee relationship. Yeah. It could just be like, Hey, I will, I'm just going to get together with another coworker for coffee yeah. And chat up, like, let's just hear about what's going on for yeah. you, for each other, right? Because I think a lot of times it's not even necessarily that we need guidance. We just need someone to be able to explore with and just share what's going on. Right? Well, look yeah. at us. Well, yeah. <laughs> this turned into a podcast, for God's sakes. I mean. Yeah. Right? That was just started off as coffees. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just chatting about stuff. Just chatting about stuff. Yeah. yeah, but I think that, I mean, because sometimes it feels like, this is what I always think is the challenge is that you sometimes can feel like, okay, I'm alone. Maybe I'm feeling lonely professionally, right? Yes. Yeah, I have other relationships, but no one yeah. really gets what I'm going you through. You can't go home necessarily. You know, it's harder to go home and talk to your partner, your spouse, yeah. or a friend, yeah. your roommate about like what's going on, yeah. right? But then it's all of a sudden there's this barrier of like, oh, well, but I now need a mentor mm-hmm. because that's apparently what the what I need, right? <laughs> And, but then you're like, well, I don't have that. And yeah. my work environment doesn't support that or doesn't, there's, there yeah. just doesn't facilitate that, whatever the situation is. And so then we again feel stuck yeah. because now we're not, we're not moving ahead in any way with that yeah. loneliness, right? So maybe 
simpler option is to say, hey, I can ask a classmate, a coworker, another therapist, let's just gra- go grab a coffee, right? Yeah. I'd love to, and, and you know what? And it's, it's a monthly thing. Yeah, whatever, yeah, just have some structure to it. But I think that that takes a lot of the pressure off to somehow find a seasoned mentor who now there's this other level of pressure that exists with that, right? Yeah, and that's a whole other conversation, all right, just in terms of mentorship (laughs) and relational learning and what a mentor is and, you know what I mean, because because that sets up a whole power dynamic. Yes. Right? And it might not be a power dynamic that you need. Or it will not help you create safety, right? And, like, I mean, we talk about safety. Well, maybe that power dynamic actually will not support, like, it's not necessarily contributing to a safe place for you internally, depending on where you're yeah. at, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. So it's. Um. I think that's an. And, and I know you and I have talked in the past. I mean, physicians have had blint groups, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where they come together and talk more about their challenges with more psycho-emotional components of, of care yeah. with their patients or the therapeutic relationships with patients and how to how to work through some challenges in relationship. But I don't, I don't know that we've done, I don't think we've done that as physiotherapists, yeah. right? That we feel that sense of, of supporting one another and that yeah. sense of, we feel community, yeah. I think, in terms of if you do manual therapy, you're part of the manual therapy community, yeah. especially if you have your part B's, well, then, then you're part of the community. But then that also, that also kind of focuses what you talk about, exactly. right? It, yeah. you, you know? And yeah. so, I don't know, maybe it would be a value to, to have sorts of, like groups, yeah. Like you know, yeah. where you where where it's you you get together and it can be as formal as informal as you want. Yeah. You can bring up cases. You can you can talk about different things or different yeah. challenges, but that you have this sense of of feeling like you're supported. Yeah, and I mean, I think trying to keep it uncomplicated, I think is yeah. is key, right? Because yes. I think when it gets complicated, then we just don't do anything with mm-hmm. it, and then we just stay in that same place. We stay emotionally exhausted. We stay dysregulated, yeah. you know, and then we end up coming to some kind of breaking point, you yeah. know, internally, right? Yeah. And I think that's where then you end up feeling like maybe I'm in the wrong profession or maybe I just don't feel like, you know, you just get this resentment yeah. in life generally that starts to mm-hmm. spill over into other areas, mm-hmm. which doesn't need to be there, right? We don't need to get to that place. And I think mm-hmm. if we can start to pick up on some of these cues earlier mm-hmm. on and start to say, okay, how can I regulate myself? more effectively, right? With my patients, but also in life. In life. And so there's different mechanisms for that. So there's social mechanisms for that. There's, you know, mechanisms, personal mechanisms for that or strategies for that. So anyways, well, this has been good. (laughs) We've gone on a few different tangents today, which (laughs) never fits. That's for you. That's for you. All right. Well, until I guess uh, next time, we'll pick up where we left off and keep the conversation going. Keep the conversation going. You bet. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's uh, great having you on the show today. Uh, now, if you've been enjoying the new show, I'd love for you to leave a review on uh, iTunes as this just helps uh, more people find out about the podcast and we'd love to, to get your feedback. And if you want to check out the show notes uh, from the podcast, just go to ignitephysio.ca forward slash podcasts. And if there's any topics that you want us to cover, just uh, shoot us an email at hello at ignitephysio.ca and we'll make sure to get back in touch with you and and see what we can do there. So anyways, thanks for joining us on the show today. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.